0: Hi, this is Casey Treat. I'm pastor at Christian Faith, and we are excited to have you with us on our podcast. Thanks for joining in. I'm praying that you're gonna hear a word that will inspire you, empower you, to connect with Jesus and become more like him. That's what we live for. That's what's happening on today's podcast. Okay, we're in the metaverse the meta-world, the world of transformation. And uh, this word, metamorpho, comes from the word transformed in Romans chapter 12 and verse two. So it's the Greek word we translate into English, transformation or transform. So that's what we've been studying these past weeks. Why is it important? Because this is how we get to God's perfect will in our lives. God's will for your health, your marriage, family, parenting, career, job, work, right? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind and find the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. Do not be conformed to the world. So we have to make that choice. I'm just not going to follow the world. I'm not going to be part of the majority. You have to accept that, church, that you're going to be unique. You're going to be different because you're not conformed. You are transformed. Now, if you're not conformed, you might get canceled. Somebody may think you're a little strange. Somebody may think you know, you're you a little bit out there until they see God's will in your life. They see the blessing of the Lord. They see the life of God and the joy and the peace of God that passes understanding. And then they'll be like, whoa, maybe these Christians are onto something. One of the reasons why I'm always encouraging people to go for God's best, because part of our mission is to show a world that doesn't know God that this life is real. So if the world looks at us and says, yeah, they got nothing that I don't have, their life is same as mine. That's not good. We should be able to say, look at me and see what happens when you give yourselves to the Lord and when you're not conformed to the world, but transformed to live in God's perfect will. Look at what happens in your marriage and with your children and your finances and your health. That's the kind of people we want to be where the world can look at you and say the Lord is good. Amen. Can I get an amen right there? So that's what we've been talking about these last few weeks, the metamorpho or the metamorphosis, the transformation. Now, how how would I know if I'm in the process, right? How would I know if I'm I'm in 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 the the part of transformation where I'm, I'm moving forward. I'm, I'm seeing uh, good results. How, how could I judge that? So I'm going to give you a scripture to uh, just examine yourself a little bit this week. Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3. Isaiah, the prophet's giving the word of the Lord, and he says, you will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind renewed mind. His mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So you can ask yourself, no one else may know this, probably no one else can know, but you know if you are at perfect peace. You know how much you lay awake at night. You, you know how much you worry or you're nervous about situations. You know when the panic attack begins to come. You know when the anxiety gets too big in your mind. Only you know that. But the scripture says when your mind is right, stayed on God, you have perfect peace. Right, so here's, here's one way we can look. And we can say, okay, do I live in peace part of the time? half of the time 80% okay i'm doing good i'm moving forward i still got a ways to go to get my mind stayed on god he's not saying everything in your life will ever be perfect he's just saying you you can be at peace even when it's not you can trust god even when there's challenges and difficulties you can be relaxed even when there's shaking going on. I was chatting with one of our members the other night out at dinner and, uh, and they, were, they were raised up in the South. They grew up in Panama City and they were talking about how the hurricanes would come through, but their mom was a Christian. Mom would put all the kids to bed and, and mom would say, just go to sleep. We're fine. And they could hear the wind, you know, and the hurricane or the tornado, whatever it was going on around them. And mom would just say, ah, go to sleep. We're fine. But what what would have happened if mom was, you know, throwing up, running around the house, panic attack, shaking, trembling? Oh, the kids would have followed mom. They would grow up with that same spirit. But mom was at perfect peace, and she gave that peace to her children. I was sharing with this person how I've never experienced that, right? I've never had anything like that growing up in Tacoma. And uh, wow, what an amazing testimony. Mom kept peace when the storm was raging. So that's what the scripture says. He will keep you in perfect peace when your mind is stayed on him because you trust in him. Uh, Wrong thinking or a lack of godly knowledge keeps many bound in poverty and problems. So there's two things I want to talk to you about. Right thinking, so you have a right attitude, you, you, you approach life with the right perspective, but you also have the right knowledge, right? Some things, if you don't know, You just don't know, and it will hurt you. You need to know some things to win in life. And so you've got to have right thinking and right knowledge. Let's read here in John chapter 8, the words of Jesus. John 8 and verse 31. Always remember, church, you can get all of these verses on the app in our study notes. The notes are on the media page, right? So you open the app, look at the bottom, find media, open the media section, top of the page will be notes. And everything we study, all the scriptures are there for you. So Jesus says in John chapter 8 and verse 31, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And... You will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Notice, he didn't just say to everybody, you'll know the truth, truth will make you free. We hear that quoted in various contexts, but it's usually quoted out of context because Jesus said, if you abide in my word, live in it, dwell in it, be in the word, read the word know the word, memorize the word, then you will know the truth. And that truth that you know will keep you or make you free. How many Christians love the Lord, go into heaven, right? They believe in Jesus, they've been born again, they're going to heaven, but they're not in the word. They, they don't learn the word, they don't know the word, they, they, they can't quote the word. So they don't know the truth. So they're not free. When you know the truth, you live in freedom. Free from what? Well, free from poverty, free from lack, free from sickness, free from depression, free from anxiety, free from the negatives of the world around us. If you live in the word, you will know the truth and that truth will make you free. Well, I've been coming to church all my life. I don't need all that other stuff. Actually, you do if you want to be free. You need to learn the word. And sometimes people have this attitude. Well, if I don't know, God won't hold it against me. You know, it's kind of like when the policeman pulls you over and you say you didn't know. Right? The policeman says, You know, you were going 20 miles an hour over the speed limit. And you said, Well, I didn't know. He said, Yeah, well, here's a ticket anyway. It's not what you didn't know, it's what you could have known. Whether you were paying attention or not, that's on you. You are accountable not for what you know, for what you could have known. Mmm, Sela. You had a Bible in your house, on your phone, on your iPad, on your computer, you could have known. But you didn't take the time to read it. You didn't take the time to study. You you would not abide in the word. So you don't know the truth about being a godly wife, godly husband, godly parent. So you're in crises in your home. Why, because you're not free. Why, because you're not in the word. Well, why did the Lord let that happen? Because you won't read his word? Just imagine you don't like studying because you're the average kid and you don't like studying. So you don't do any homework and you don't read your book and you don't look at your papers and you go into class and you take your test and you get an F. And you say to your teacher, it's not fair. I didn't know. The teacher says what? You could have known if you'd have read the book, if you'd have done your assignments, if you'd have studied the material you had. Yeah, but why are you doing this to me? (laughs) And your teacher's like, actually, you're doing this to yourself. Now in our world, we're trying to blame a lot of things for why we don't know. The fact is, You don't know because you don't want to know, and you want to blame somebody else for what you don't know. Jesus said, you can know if you will abide in my word. So stop making excuses and stop playing the victim and stop saying it's not your fault. If you want to be free, get in the word. Read the Word, learn the Word, speak the Word, memorize the Word, and the truth will make you free. It works, guys. Now, look, I'm not the smartest guy in class, okay? Not even close to the smartest guy in class. I got to cheat to get close to the smartest guys in class. But I decided 40-some years ago, I'm going to learn the Word. I'm gonna be a Bible person. I'm gonna read it, I'm gonna memorize it, I'm gonna speak it, and you know what? It works. It's amazing. I may not be great in trigonometry. I may not be great in uh, biology, but I do know some scripture. I know what the scripture said about being a husband, being a father, having finance, investing money. I know what the Bible says. And you know what? That truth makes me free. Well, but there's a pandemic coming. Yeah, but I'm still free. Well, but the government's going to change. Yeah, but I'm still free. Well, what about the interest rates? I'm free. You see what I'm saying? You live on a level that the world doesn't understand because you're walking with God. You've renewed your mind and living in God's will. And the world is worrying about all these things, and you're like, yeah, not really my thing. Don't really care. Did you hear what happened to the cryptocurrency? You know, I'm walking with God. He don't do crypto. Well, maybe he does. I don't know, but not with me. Right, so you've just got to decide, I'm not going to be a Bible fool. I'm not going to be a Christian dum-dum. I'm going to know the truth because the truth is my way to freedom. Last week, a friend uh, on the East Coast out in Pennsylvania texted me, and he sent me a picture. He said, hey, you remember this guy? He's a friend of yours. He looked like he was 60 years old. I'm like, hmm, seems like I remember something, but I couldn't figure out who it was. Well, it happened to be Georgian Banoff. Some of you will remember Georgian, who was from Bulgaria, who escaped during communism and got to America, became an American citizen. Georgian said to me, because he at one point was a member in our church, he led a band called Silverwind. You have to be over 60 to remember those days. But Georgian said to me, one of my most sad days was coming to to America And thinking I had arrived in heaven and realizing I could still be poor, I could still be sad, I could still be sick, I could still be alone, just like in Bulgaria, people in America could be miserable. And that's when I got saved. He said, I turned to the Lord. I got born again. He ended up finding our church, became a member of our church, and Georgia had quite an influential ministry bringing music and the word to people all over the world. You can change governments and change nations and change husbands and change wives and still be miserable because it's truth that makes you free. If you will abide in his word, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. So that's renewing the mind, right? That's getting godly knowledge and getting godly thinking. Look in Hosea chapter 4. Hosea 4 and verse 6. The prophet says, God's people, my people, are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge... I will also reject you from being priest for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. So what the Lord is saying here is he can only do in your life what you know in his word, what you can believe from his word. If you don't want to know his word, he can't can't work in you. When you know about Jesus as Savior, you can be saved. When you know Jesus as healer, you can be healed. But how many people don't know Jesus as healer, so they never get healed? When you know Jesus as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who will meet all of your needs, now you know you can prosper. But how many Christians don't know that they can prosper? So if you know the word, it'll work in your life, but if you don't know, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. It's an interesting word they're destroyed. You, you word scholars, get your little dictionaries going, and you'll find that it means to be silenced and defeated. My people are silenced and defeated because of their lack of knowledge. Now, church, it's not good enough to say, well, Pastor Casey says. No, you need to know the Bible says. And this is why we believe it. This is what we believe. You don't have to be a theologian. Just know your Bible. Just memorize a few scriptures. Just have a few verses. You get your God's word for every circumstance, which we, we print them out and send them out all the time. And they're in our little kiosks out there in the foyer. And you just look up the scripture for healing, for finance, for marriage, for forgiveness, for whatever your need is, and you take that word and you say, I'm standing on the word. I refuse to be a Christian that lacks knowledge because that Christian can be destroyed. But I know the word of God, stand on the word of God, and that word makes me free. Look in Romans chapter 1. Let's go back to the New Testament. Romans 1, and we'll read down at verse 28. I actually could read this whole chapter, but for sake of time, I'll just give you a couple verses here in Romans 1 and verse 28. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind. To do do those things that are not fitting, being filled with unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, whisperers, backbiters. I mean, talk about our world. Well, where did it all start? They did not want to retain God in their knowledge. They didn't want to know God. They didn't want to know the word of God. They wanted to do their thing their way. I I, I want to be free to do my thing my way. I'm going to be me. I got to be me. I got to be me. Okay. And you also got to be sick, poor, and lonely. But what if you knew God and you knew God's word and you could walk in God's ways? Well, then you get freedom and you get prosperity and you get healing, and you get everything that Jesus showed people as he walked the earth. But you have to retain God in your knowledge. That means with our children, why do we do what we do? Well, let me show you in the Bible. Right, you have your children's Bible, you have your children's stories, and you help your children to know why mom and dad do what they do, because that's what God said. This is the way that we walk with God and we have God's will. That's why dad's blessed and mom's blessed and we prosper and you get to have the blessing of this prosperity. You need to keep God in your mind because that's how we're living this life. Parents who don't do that, kids grow up, leave church, leave the Lord, go out in the world, living with people, changing sex, not sure, drugs, whatever it might be, because they have no why. They have no knowledge that keeps them connected to the will of God. Our thoughts and our beliefs control the outcome of our lives. Don't blame the world around you if you're struggling. It's the knowledge that's in you that gives you that success in life. Change and renewal. It's not easy, church. I'm not saying this is a cakewalk, but it will produce a godly life, and you'll overcome the challenges, battles, struggles. They're still there. You'll still have to face the wars and the sicknesses and whatever comes along, but God gives the victory. You have what it takes to overcome and to find his freedom. Make sure your child grows up with a godly mindset the knowledge of God, the answers to all the questions of life, why we think the way we think, why we believe the way we believe. And you know what it does? When you're trying to explain it to your kids, it makes you understand it. You learn it because you got to teach them. There's many things I had to figure out because I wanted to show my kids and I wasn't sure for myself. So it made me get more of the knowledge of God, and then I could pass it on to them. Look with me in 3 John. Let's talk for a little bit about our soul. The word soul is used in various ways today, right? We like our soul food and our soul music, and some of us even ride the soul train. I love all of that of my spiritual fathers, Julius and Fred, they had a lot of soul. But the word soul in the Bible literally means your mind, your emotions, and your will. Throughout the scripture, the word soul is used in various places like love the Lord your God with all your soul. And it speaks of your mind, your emotions, and your will. So our soul is the key to your prosperity, your health, and your abundant life. Let me show you in Third John in verse 2. Third John, little John, only one chapter. He says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So, now obviously, John wouldn't pray this prayer if it wasn't God's will, and the Holy Spirit wouldn't make it a part of Scripture if it wasn't God's will, so we could make this statement then, it's God's will that you prosper in all things and be in health even as your soul prospers. So the even as says, that's where it starts. Now before I knew the Lord, as a young uh, person growing up, had no knowledge of God, didn't know the Old Testament, New Testament, nothing, had no idea, didn't know what anything in church was about. So without the knowledge of God, my soul was poor, because my soul was poor. I had no peace, I had no wisdom, I had no knowledge to win in life, so I struggled. I was always trying to find something to make me feel good, a new drug, a new drink, a new girlfriend, a new car, new something, right? Always looking, searching, right? My praise and worship leader was Mick Jagger. I can't get no satisfaction, right? That was the theme song of my life. Every day, I'm, I, let's try the new drug, let's try the new pill, let's shoot something, let's smoke something, let's look. We're trying to find some satisfaction. My soul was the problem. End up in jail, end up in trouble, all of that comes out of a broken soul. My mind, my emotions, my will, way off track. So then I come to Julius Julius takes me to our north campus. We call it the Mill Creek Christian faith. Back then it was called Silver Lake Chapel. First week, I get born again. Next week, I get baptized in water, baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm praying in other tongues. I'm crying. I'm saying, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Funny story. Nora, my five-year-old granddaughter, was with her dad up at Mill Creek campus, and he took her into the baptism where I got baptized. They've, they've walled it up now. They don't use it anymore. But she was standing in the baptism. She said, Papa was baptized right here. And her dad was telling her the story. Yeah. And I became a, a dream team member by cleaning the baptism after each baptism each month. So that was my first job in the church. I was helping the pastor because I got baptized and the place was a mess, towels, stuff everywhere, nobody was there. So I started picking up, cleaning up, pastor said, hey, be back next month, I need you. I said, yes, sir. I became part of the ministry my first week at church. I'm cleaning the baptism. I'm the baptism professional, (laughs) the first week at church. So Nora, my five-year-old, she's there saying, Papa, Papa, this is where to start? Yep. Her dad was telling her the story. So as soon as that started, my soul began to prosper. I wasn't trying to figure out how to get high, how, how to get a new girlfriend, how to, how to do something, how to try something, how to thrill seekers, buying stuff, right? I wasn't, I wasn't on this empty, I can't get no satisfaction quest. I started to have a soul that was whole. Everything started new. I mean, within a year, I meet Wendy. Two years later, we're married. Four years later, we're starting a church. We're on our way to abundant life. When your soul shifts, when your soul is whole, you're on your way to abundant life. It's true. You will prosper and live in health when your soul prospers how many know the song it is well with my soul it is well do you know the song it is well with my soul is it is it well can you can you sleep at night do you have peace confidence prosperous in your soul vision The word of God, trust in God, right? If it is well with your soul, then you're on your way. You're going to make it. You're going to get through wars, rumors of wars, economies, uh, elections. You're fine. You're like our friend whose mom put her to bed during the tornado or the hurricane, whatever it was, and said, go to sleep, babe. You're fine. That's a prosperous soul. Tasha sang that old song this morning. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Right? Bless his whole. When your soul is whole, you can bless the Lord. You know how many people come to church and can't bless the Lord? Because their soul is hungry and they're longing and they're searching and they're trying to get it going. But they, they just can't stand and bless the Lord. They're not there yet. But as their soul begins to be healed and their soul is made whole, all of a sudden you'll see them in church blessing the Lord with all that is within them. That's when you know you're on your way. The prosperous soul is the beginning to you prospering in all things and living in health. It's in the Bible, and it works. Amen? It works. Now, let's read the next portion of that scripture. I pray you may prosper and live in health even as your soul prospers. I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in truth. Verse 4, 3 John, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. So this is the same thing Jesus said, isn't it? If you abide in my word, you will know the truth. Truth will make you free. The truth is in you. You walk in truth. Your soul prospers. You prosper in all things. That's how it works, church. The Bible just keeps telling us the same thing over and over again. You lack knowledge, you're destroyed. You know the word of God, you're free. You walk in the truth, you prosper. The Bible is telling you the same thing over and over. Let me show you this story in Luke chapter 10. This is a story about Lazarus' sisters. So you know Lazarus' sisters' name? Two sisters, what were their names? Right? You Bible people, you know. You know the word up in here, up in here. Martha and Mary. So Jesus goes to their house for life group. Having Bible study, hanging around. Martha and Mary, there with the life group. Martha starts fixing for holies, tortillas, enchiladas. lunchtime right disciples these guys all want food they're all ready to eat Martha's fixing lunch Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet hearing the word she's getting the word what happens when you get the word you get the word your soul prospers you prosper but Martha's in the kitchen grumbling Mary always sitting around doing nothing she don't care Don't nobody in this house care. I'm the only one that cares around here. I'm the one in here fixing lunch for these crazy disciples, trying to help a brother. I'm the one who has to do all the work, just grumbling, just upset, just not happy. Well, frijoles are ready, tortillas are ready, enchiladas are warm. She brings them out to Jesus and the disciples, Mary, sitting by his feet. she can't hold it back. It always comes out. When you grumble to yourself, you start grumbling to everybody else. So Martha says, Jesus, why don't you tell Mary to help me because I'm the only one doing anything around here. (laughs) Has anybody ever been in that Thanksgiving dinner? Jesus did not respond the way she expected. Jesus said, look at it, Luke 10, verse 41. Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary hath chosen that good part. Mary chose to hear the word. Mary chose to sit and listen to Jesus. Martha thought she's supposed to be in there grumbling and upset because somebody had to cook lunch. All she would have had to do is put a bowl of beans in front of Jesus and say, hey, when you want to eat, do a miracle or something. I'm here to hear the word, right? I mean, Martha had a lot of options, but being angry and frustrated and upset and feeling like a victim and blaming Mary All of those were wrong choices. So her soul was not prospering. And Jesus said, Martha, it's not Mary. It's not even about this lunch. You're troubled about many things. That's an interesting place to be. You blame your husband, but actually it's many things. You blame the kids, but it's many things. You blame the boss, but it's many things. How many times have we gone to the Lord, Lord, you need to change my boss, you need to change my wife, you need to change, my, you need to do something, Lord? And the Lord says, You know, you're troubled about many things. Maybe you need to do something. Maybe you need to begin to prosper in your soul, get the word. Choose that most important thing, the word of the Lord. Hear that word. Get that word. Get your soul healthy and your soul whole. And then see if it's still their fault. Because maybe everything changes when your soul changes. When you're transformed by the renewing of your mind, you'll find God's perfect will. When you complain about people around you, you get the Lord saying your name twice. Martha, Martha, you are troubled about many things. Let me give you another story, Second Kings chapter 5. All these stories teach us your mind or your soul is the key to your future. So in this story, 2 Kings chapter 5, there's a soldier named Naaman, right? Veterans Weekend. Good to talk about soldiers. This guy was a good soldier. He served the king in Syria. He was, he was honorable. He, he, was, he was a fighter. He was a victor. He was, the Bible said he was a mighty man of valor. And God used him. Actually, even God had used him. But he was a leper. Now, in our day, we would, we would have something more like he, he had cancer, and there's no treatment. There's no, there's no option for this guy. He's going to die. So in his household, there was a little girl who had been brought up from Israel, and she said to the lady that she served, there was a prophet in Israel that could heal Naaman, the leper. So the lady said to Naaman, you should go down to Israel. The, the, this girl tells me there's a prophet there. You can get healed. Well, Naaman says, okay. He gets a letter from the king, takes it down to the king of Israel, and he says, hey, I'm here to see the prophet. And the, the king acts like a typical bureaucrat. What, are you trying to stir up a battle? I can't heal lepers. What are you trying to do? Is this some kind of trick? Are you just here to start a war? Right? Don't go to the government for what only God can give you. Stop thinking the government can give you security and give you prosperity and give you peace and give you self-esteem. The government cannot answer those needs in your life. It's not what they're designed for. So the prophet heard there was a ruckus up at the king's palace with this guy Naaman. You know, word gets around, right? So the prophet sends his servant up to the king and he says, hey, send that guy down here. I'll get him healed, no worries. So Naaman comes down, knocks on the prophet's door. Prophet doesn't even go to the door. He sends his servant to the door and says, Uh, Nice to meet you, Mr. Naaman. We were expecting you. Go down to the River Jordan and dip seven times. Well, you would think Naaman would be like, okay, whatever. But no. Naaman says, behold, I thought that the man of God would come out and wave his hand over the leper and heal him from his disease. And Naaman was upset. He was stomping around. Who does he think he is? I'm going to go in there and kill somebody. I mean, Naaman lost his cool. Luckily, Naaman had some people around him smarter than him. And his, his people said, bro, you need to chill. They said, if the prophet had told you to do some amazing religious expression, Wouldn't you have done it? Yes. I'll do anything. He just said, go dip in the river. Don't be a dip. Just go dip in the river. So Naaman says, okay, you're right. All right. So he goes down, he dips in the river seven times, comes up, boom. The Bible said his flesh was like a child's, clear, perfect. Think of this. His attitude, his mind almost cost him a miracle. How many people, I don't need no church telling me if God wants to do something in my life, he can do it. Yeah, your funky attitude keeps you outside of the will of God. Whatever the Lord wants to do, the Lord's going to do. I mean, it don't really make a lot of difference what I do. Yeah, you know, you're just stupid. You just don't know what the Bible says. You need someone to say, bro, read your Bible. Bro, look at what the Word says. This is how you prosper. This is how you get healed. This is how you walk in the will of God. This is how you save your marriage. This is how your kids grow up to be blessed. This is how it works. Stop acting like you know if you don't know and just say, tell me what to do. Well, go dip in the river. Okay, if you want me to dip, I'm going to dip. See, our attitude is often arrogant and foolish, and you can miss your miracle because of your mind. I'm going to say it one more time. Don't let your mind cause you to miss your miracle. I don't need to be tithing. No pastor need my tithe anyway. Yeah, I'm waiting around Sunday afternoon for your tithe. Are you stupid? <laughs> you must be to say stuff like that. I don't need no church. I mean, you're here, so I'm preaching to the choir. But you understand the point. It's so easy to let your attitude keep you from your miracle. Your mind stops your miracle. Okay? You still don't believe me? I'll give you another story. I'm going to keep saying it until one of you believes it. Look in this one. Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14, verse 28. Jesus said to the disciples, go to the other side. They get in the boat. They start rowing. Michael, row your boat ashore. Hallelujah. I guess one of them was named Michael. Michael, (laughs) row. They get out there in the middle of the lake, nighttime, right, it's dark, storm comes in. Boom, weather's bad on the Sea of Galilee. And the wind is contrary to them, often the the way it is in life. You're trying to do what God told you to do. The wind comes up, the enemy, the world, things are against you. Okay, they're rowing and rowing, and it's getting hard, they're getting tired. And Jesus comes walking on the water. And the first they, they're, they're afraid, they yell out, It's a ghost! I mean, these disciples, they've been walking with Jesus for a couple of years now. They never stop tripping. <laughs> and Jesus says, Really? No, it's me. So Peter said, If it's you, tell me to come on the water. So Jesus says, Come. Okay, so he's got a word from the Lord, right? He's got a word from God. He's walking on one word from Jesus. Come. Well, Peter gets out of the boat. He's walking on water. You know, keep this in mind, church. There's only one water walker in the Bible besides Jesus, and it was Peter. Sometimes we pick on Peter, but he's the only dude that got out of the boat. Rest of those scaredy cats are in there like, whoa. Peter's walking on the water, but then his mind got him, and this is what happens to us. Our mind starts going, and the Bible said he's looking at the wind and the water, the waves, and he thought, well, I can't walk on water when it's windy. Now, is that logical? Does that make any sense at all? Can you walk on water when it's calm? No. You're walking on the word. The word of God said, come. He's got his eyes on Jesus. He's walking on the water. When he gets his eyes on the waves, circumstances, governments, economies, elections, What they said, what he said, what she said, now he started sinking. Now, good thing he'd walked far enough to get close to Jesus. And when he began to sink, he said, Lord, save me. The Lord will save you from your mind. And the Lord brought him right back up on the water, and the two walked back to the boat. So, here's the story. Don't let your mind keep you from your miracle. But if you do start tripping, make sure you're close to Jesus. Yeah, because he'll grab you. He'll help you. Now, what did the Lord say to Peter? The Lord said, Pete, why'd you doubt? What's a doubt? Wrong thinking. It's just wrong thinking, that's all a doubt is. You got focused on the wrong thing. Why'd you doubt, Pete? You had it going. You're my only water walker. You were there walking on the water. Wow, Pete, you got some kind of faith. Why'd you doubt? Don't let your mind stop your miracle. Don't let your doubts keep you from the will of God. Don't let your fears keep you from the prosperity that God has for you. Don't believe the report of the world, believe the report of the Lord, you can walk on water on one word from God. Let's go for that. Let's believe that. Let's be transformed by renewing our mind until we're right in that perfect will of God. Thank you so much for joining with us today. I'm praying that you heard something that will impact your life. If you'd like more information, connect with us at the Christian Faith Church app or go to the website at christianfaith.us.